The following message is brought to you by Morgan Hill Bible Church. For all things MHBC, connect with us on social media and check us out online at mhbible.org. Hey, well, good morning, church. It's so good to be with you today. Hey, thanks, Elizabeth and the worship team. I always enjoy when I have the opportunity to to sit in the seats and worship um, instead of just leading the songs. I I, uh, I grew up a pastor's kid, and so I've been exposed to you know all different kinds of churches and denominations, and I've had the opportunity to serve at. Um, several different churches. And, and over the years, I've really noticed there's different kinds of styles and ways to worship. But did you know there's actually different levels of, of worship signals? Let, let me show you. If you're, if you're a rookie, you want to start off, let's get that out of my pocket. We'll start off right here, right? So this is called elbow flat, just hanging out. Then you got carry the TV, go widescreen. Now, if you want to go to intermediate level, my fish was this big. (laughs) Hold my baby. Mufasa. Now, if you want to go to pro, we've got something here called the dueling light bulbs. All right. Goalposts. Throw in some heartburn. And then you've got pointer, hatchet, schoolroom. Pointer, hatchet, schoolroom. Now, if you want to go expert, expert level, village people, Rocky, touchdown. All right. So there you have it. Now you know. You can start judging everyone around you. See who's better. <laughs> uh, when, uh, when I was a teenager, my, my dad would take me to these events uh, put on by, by an organization called Promise Keepers. And maybe some of you recognize that name. I'm not even sure if they, they actually exist anymore. But they would rent out these stadiums. I grew up in New York. And so they would do these large conferences. I remember being at the Mets Stadium and, um, you know, thousands of, of, of people there. And as a teenager, I was so self-conscious, right? Uh, most of us probably, probably were. So the idea of raising my hands was, was not only weird, it was terrifying. And all I could think about would be, you know, who's, who's looking at me? Um, what are people going to think? Do I look, do I look weird? Um, and, and true story, you know, uh, I started off, I, I couldn't raise my hands, so I kind of started off like this. I just would... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's good to be expressive and, and, and worship God in that way, but it's by no means the only uh, way or litmus test of whether or not our worship is authentic, right? We have a God that cares about and, and looks at our heart. And as a teenager, I remember looking at other people and trying to learn from them who they are, why they are the way they are. And that part hasn't changed for me. I, I love looking at people's lives and trying to learn from them, be inspired by them. And there's so many examples of, of out there of what to be and maybe of what not to be. Everybody has a hero, right? Somebody they want to be like. Maybe it's just somebody they really admire. Um, for some people, it's, it's family. It's their grandfather. Maybe it's their, your dad or your mom. Um, maybe an author, an actor, an entrepreneur. But some of the people you look at, whether it's nowadays or, or back in history, you ever feel like those lives are just inaccessible? I don't know if you ever feel that way. You look at the life of Moses and you go, great, he's more like George Washington than he is like me. Or Michelangelo, this incredibly gifted painter, right? If you've ever seen the Sistine Chapel or, or some of his other, his other works, I can barely paint a stick figure. 
or, or a guy like Elon Musk, right? He, he seems so smart and thinks on a level that my brain can't even comprehend. And then, of course, you end up with David from the Bible, and we're all so much like David because we can all kill giants with stones and play the harp at the same time, right? I mean, I don't, I don't know about you, but sometimes reading these stories can be a bit uh, depressing. Even with Esther, I don't know if you know the, the story of Esther, but you want her to be this everyday girl, um, but she's not. And so she's beautiful. They didn't have to add that in. They could have said she's an average looking girl with very little talent that God used. But no, it, it says, it describes her as a very beautiful and gifted human being. And once again, there's this disconnection from, from the person. Well, today I want to talk to you about somebody you may not know much about. In fact, the Bible doesn't say much about him at all, except this one prayer that he prayed to God. And I, I think in a lot of ways, we'll be able to relate to this guy. He had a difficult past, and he was desperate for a better future. His name is Jabez. His mother named him Jabez, which means I, I give birth to you in pain. The main Jabez means pain. It means sorrow, sorrow maker. Can you even imagine, first of all, having a name like that? Hi, my name is Sorrow Maker. <laughs> What's yours? Uh, back then, a name was especially very, very important. A name oftentimes defined what a person's future and, and uh, what they would become, what they would look like, what they would become. And so I want to read this prayer and we'll unpack it a little bit together. It's First Chronicles 4, verse 10. It's in the worship guide, or if you want to open up your Bibles with me. It says, it says this. This is the prayer of Jabez. Jabez called upon the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my border, that your hand might be with me, and that you would keep me from harm, so that it might not bring me pain. And God granted his request. God granted what he asked. That's it. That's the prayer. And that's really all we know about Jabez, except for the one verse before that says he was more honorable than his brothers and his mother named him Jabez, meaning I give birth to him in pain. So it's this very short prayer. Oh, that you will bless me and enlarge my border, my, my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And God granted what he asked. So a few things strike me about this prayer right away. There's a certain urgency and, and vulnerability in it. Can you, I wonder if you can sense that. There's a boldness in it. And it's a very specific prayer. So it makes me wonder, what, why is he praying this prayer? What set of circumstances does he find himself up against? What place has he found himself in? So let, let's, talk about, let's talk about praying. I, I imagine most of us here today, if you're watching online, or uh, have prayed at some point in your life, and hopefully it's been more than once. And if not, well, my, my goal today is to, to help you change that. Uh, in seminary, I remember meeting, reading um, some of Andrew Murray's writing, and I, sh I shared this once in a midweek, and I wanted to share it again with you. He wrote something called The Deeper Christian Life, and I want to read a short passage from it for you. It says this, the first and chief need of our Christian life is fellowship with God. As I need every moment of fresh the air to breathe, as the sun every moment sends down its light, so it is only in direct communication with God that my soul can be strong. 
The manna of one day was corrupt when the next day came. I must every day have fresh grace from heaven, and I obtain it only in direct waiting upon God himself. Take time to meet God. You probably remember the story of manna. The Israelites were in the desert and and they were hungry. And so they started to complain to Moses and to God. And so God sends manna from heaven. God sent manna, but with specific instructions, right? Do you remember? Gather only what you need to eat for today. Only enough for today. I'll send more tomorrow. And you probably remember what what, what happened. Some people listened to God and gathered enough for today. And then others were, I'll gather a little extra. I'll save some up for tomorrow. And, and what happened? The, the, the extra manna that was gathered, it not only became rotten, but it was covered in, in maggots. Yum. You see, we, we need God's grace new every day. We cannot rely on the past momentum of our faith to move us forward. So let's talk about praying. And I know most of you are saying maybe, yeah, yeah, I know it's good to pray. I should do it more often. Uh, but it's not so much about how often you pray as it is about the posture of your heart when you pray. And is it just me or do a lot of our prayers sound similar to each other, right? They kind of all start off the same way. Why is it our prayers are so predictable? Bless me, God, protect me and my family and my friends. Keep us safe in Jesus' name, amen. And I'm I'm generalizing here, but if we're honest with ourselves, our prayers tend to be pretty general. So let let me ask you something. When was the last time you prayed specifically? And you prayed specifically. God, would you give me the confidence to do well on this interview? Would you help me be a better listener when my wife's talking to me? God, my marriage is falling apart. I need you. God, give me the wisdom. Give me the patience as I talk with my son right now. God, I want to bless this person. Would you show me where there's a need in their life? God, I'm anxious. I can't seem to sense you. I feel like you've abandoned me. Lord, I don't know what to do. I don't know what's next. I'm worried. I just need your peace right now. I I don't know about you, but my prayers tend to get really specific, maybe sometimes too specific. Somewhere will laugh at me uh, when we're we're out and looking for a parking, I'll pray out loud, God, give me a parking spot. But I want a close one, like in the name of Jesus, give me a close one because I don't want to walk too far, right? (laughs) Joking aside, my point is you should pray And, and you should get specific about it. So I want to ask you today, do you find yourself not praying? And maybe you have this idea of what a prayer should sound like, what it should be like. It's got to be long, can't be short. It's got to use big words, uh, big Christian words, right? Like, like sanctification and, and big adjectives like omnipotent. And you have to mentally prepare yourself, right? You got to get in the holy zone and, and, and be solemn. And maybe you think you have to have a certain physical posture. I have to close my eyes. God won't listen to me and take me seriously unless I'm closing my eyes, but I'm driving right now, so I'm not going to close my eyes. I'll pray later. But we get home, and then there's a dozen other things fighting for our attention, and so we don't end up praying at all. Do you pray? Well, well, I, I messed up. You don't understand. This, is, this isn't some unforeseen circumstance that came into my life. You know, I, be, I believe God carries you through the storm and everything, but this is actually a storm I created. This is a mistake I made. I messed up. And I need just to clean this up before I can pray. I just need to make things right with my spouse before I can pray to you, God. I don't know if that's you, but if there's even one person here today 
feeling like that, can I just share something with you? The point of the gospel, the reason Jesus came was not to make bad people good. It was to bring dead people to life. And that's it. That's God's grace. We can't do anything to earn it. No prayer, no action, nothing. It's unmerited favor. It's God breathing life into something that was dead. God's love's not dependent on who we are, on, on, on how we behave, on what we do, what's been done to us. It's a one-way love no, that requires no merit on our end. And that's the beauty of God's love and grace. We can't understand God's grace, but we can accept it. And here's what I know to be true about that. The grace of God will call you. It will sustain you. It will protect you. So let me just encourage you today, if you're not feeling good enough, he takes your mess, he turns it into a message. He will use your story to tell his story. I've seen him do it in my lifetime and time again. So I don't know where you are. I don't know what stage of life you're in, but if you're anything like me, you've definitely made your share of mistakes. But we can't let the pain of our past rob us of facing our future. And maybe you did the right thing the wrong way. We can't project our past into our potential. It will become your limiting factor. It will limit your faith. It will limit your prayers. It will limit the, the size of your prayers. I believe when we begin to realize how much God wants for us, we start to live in that freedom and we start to dream big and pray bold and specific prayers. Jabez had a bold and specific prayer. See, I think specific prayers help cultivate relationship. God wants to be in a deep relationship with me, but it's always an invitation. It's never a demand. And he'll never force me to tell him anything, but he longs to hear what I desire. I wonder sometimes if we try to protect our image of God by dreaming small dreams and asking for little things because of our fear of being let down. But we belong to a generous God who loves us more than we can imagine. And when I'm in a relationship with him, I can ask for things and I can ask in faith and I can ask specifically knowing what I know of his desires for my life. I can trust he knows what's best for me. And I believe God's waiting for us to lean in and say, God, I know what I want. There was, uh, there was this pastor with his family in his backyard. It was like a warm, sunny Saturday afternoon, and they were playing with their little kitten. They had a little cat. And the kitten went up in the tree and um, got stuck in the tree. And all the branches were kind of, couldn't get its head out. And so they tried to kit, get the kitten out, but they couldn't because of, because of all the branches. And so the father, being a pastor, uh, always came up with great ideas. And so he said, hey, don't worry, Dad, to the rescue. I'm going to get a rope and I'm going to get my car and I'll tie the rope around the tree and then, and then tie it to the car. And I'll get in the car, I'll drive a bit and um, that'll bend the tree, bring it down. We can free the kitten. So everybody cheered. Yeah, dad to the rescue. So dad got in his car and he got the rope and he tied the rope around the tree and then he tied it to the car and he starts to drive slowly and slowly and the tree is bending and bending. The car is moving, moving. Then all of a sudden... The rope snaps, and the tree flung back and sent the kitten flying in the opposite direction. <laughs> and that's the end of the story. <laughs> Not all stories have happy endings. So, Okay, so two weeks later, <clears throat> the pastor is visiting somebody from his church, and he knocks on the door. The lady says, oh, come on in, pastor. And he walks in, and there in the hallway was his kitten. 
He knew it, it unmistakable his kitten, but he didn't want to come out and say, hey, you've got my kitten. So he said, my, what a cute kitten you've got there. Have you had her long? And she said, pastor, you're not going to believe this. It was two weeks ago. It was a warm, sunny Saturday afternoon. I was in the backyard with my, my little daughter, Sydney, and we were playing. And she says, Mommy, please, can we have a kitten? And I said, no, we've had this conversation before. We're not getting a cat. But she pestered me and bugged me. And the only thing I could think of saying was, let's get on our knees right now and pray in this backyard. And if Jesus wants you to have a little kitten, he'll send you a little kitten. Pastor, you're not going to believe this. You see, when we pray, coincidences happen, and when we don't, they don't. I believe our lives need to be characterized by prayer, bold prayers, big prayers, compassionate prayers, because we have a bold and generous God. So here's an acronym for you, PUSH, pray until something happens. Pray until something happens. So I want to challenge us, encourage us today, wherever you may be in your walk of life, your walk of your walk of faith, pray until something happens. Philippians 4, verse 6, you may know this. Do not be anxious about anything, but in, by, in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. So I want to come back to this idea of having a specific prayer. Jabez had a specific prayer. But here's the thing. You can't be specific unless you know what you want. And I've, I've heard it said before, you don't know somebody until you know what they want. Do you know what you want? I think most of the times we have no idea what we want. But I believe God, but I believe you need to tell God what you want. Not because he doesn't know what you want, but it's important for us to know what we want. I think we'll never step into the life we were created to live until we understand what our lives are supposed to be about. You need to know what you want. I'm not talking about, you know, winning the lottery or a, a bigger house or a nicer car or more money. Or Is it possible that you don't actually want that, but it's what society wants you to want? It's what our culture wants us to want. You ever wonder if you're living the life you're supposed to live or are you living someone else's? You ever feel like you're a, a leaf blowing in the wind and, and wherever you land, you just try to make sense of it. Try to convince yourself, yeah, yeah, this is where I'm supposed to be. When in fact, it's just where you were blown. Maybe it's just where people want you to be. Everybody around this has an opinion, right? What you're supposed to do, where you're supposed to be in life. You see, our true identity is found in God. And when we begin to find God, we begin to find ourselves. And it's through that process, we begin to discover what we really want. Praying specifically helps us better understand our desires and what we want. The more specifically I communicate about something I desire, the more I get to the bottom of what I really want. And it's important for us to know what we want. The Bible is full of stories that show this. In Luke chapter 8, there's a story of, of Jesus who goes, he was on his way and he was going to go heal a little girl. If you were, uh, weren't here last week, Ricky did a great job of unpacking that story. I want to highlight something quickly here. So Jesus, he's walking with his disciples uh, through the streets. And as he's walking through the streets, more and more people are hearing about Jesus. And so they're coming out, crowding the streets. And they all want to see Jesus. You could, hardly, you could hardly move. And then all of a sudden, Jesus stops and says, hey, who touched me? Now, can you imagine for a moment, you walking into a stadium, a concert, uh, with thousands of people, maybe before COVID, and, and you're going to go see... 
Taylor Swift or Billie Eilish or Bruce Springsteen or whoever your, whoever your jam is, and your friend turns around to, to you and says, hey, who touched me? What? Don't worry about it, man. There's a ton of people around. There's going to be some elbowing. But Jesus says, who touched me? Come on, Jesus, don't, don't worry about it. It's not like he's got a wallet to lose or something, right? But Jesus says, who touched me? So eventually this woman, right, she comes out of the crowd and she says, I touched you. And, and he asks her, why did you touch me? Now, I'm fully convinced he knew the answer. Like he knew it, but he wanted her to articulate it and not be embarrassed about articulating it. And she says, you know, I had this problem, I went to the doctors, nobody can help me, and I heard about you. And I thought if I could just reach out and touch the hem of your garment, I knew something would happen. And then he asks, well, did it happen? Of course, Jesus knew the answer, but he is asking her to articulate it. Yes, yes, it did happen. And he says to her daughter, you know, your faith has made you well. You see, the moment you reach out, you're accepted. And it doesn't matter who you are or what you've done or what's been done to you or what you bring, you are accepted. And it's in this space of acceptance, in this space of freedom, I believe Jesus wants us to tell him what we want. Jesus knew what that woman wanted, right? She wanted to be healed. But he asked her anyway. You see, when, when I have a specific request, I can actually better see the answer. When I pray specifically, I can see more clearly when and if God answers my prayer. I can ask him to do things boldly and wait in expectation. And when he does answer my prayer, it ends up deepening my relationship with, with Jesus because I feel seen and heard that he's responding in such detail-oriented ways. There's another story, Matthew chapter 9. It's a story of two blind men. And I'll read just a, a couple of passages for you. It says this, Jesus and his disciples were leaving Jericho. A large crowd was following him. Two blind men were sitting by the roadside when they heard that Jesus was going by. And they shouted, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. The crowd rebuked them, told them to be quiet. But they shouted all the louder, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. So Jesus stopped and called them and says, what do you want me to do for you? Okay, two blind guys stop Jesus. They're not deaf, so they've heard the stories. And they're figuring this is our one shot. If we get Jesus, who might be Savior, to see us, then maybe he can stop and have mercy on us. It was a general request, a general prayer. Have mercy on us. And Jesus says, well, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, they answered, we want our sight. Now, all of us hear this story and go, well, yeah, obviously they want sight, what else would they want, all right? But Jesus had compassion, went over, touched their eyes, and immediately they received their sight, and they followed him. I think when I read that story, I, I focus on the miracle of Jesus. Yeah, he healed him. But why would Jesus look at two blind men and ask, what do you want me to do for you? I mean, he's supposed to be God, right? If Jesus is God, then he should already know. But on top of that, Jesus has two eyes. He can see these guys, I mean, what do you think they want? Teslas? Because he knows we're from the future. I wonder in this story what Jesus is trying to teach, not just them, but maybe us. I believe one of the things God is trying to teach us is if we're going to become the person God intends for us to be, we need to know what we want. We belong to a generous God who loves big dreams and, and big 
idea has big lives. I believe he's waiting for us to lean in and say, God, I know what I want. Can you imagine for a moment if these two blind guys had responded to Jesus's question with, what do you want? With, you know, maybe just two nice canes, two leather wrapped canes. Is it possible that you've been asking God for a cane in your life when he's waiting for you to ask for your sight? In Ephesians 3, verse 20, it says, Now to him who's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his work, his power that is at work within us. God's saying, ask me. But know what you want. Know who you want to be. Know what kind of life you want to live. What kind of dreams you want to turn into reality. Know what you love. Know what you care about. Know what you want from me. Ask me, and then I'll do more than you can have ever asked or imagined. And here's the thing. It's for his glory, not ours. So I want to challenge you today. Be specific in your prayer. Be bold in your prayer. If not, I think we start to become satisfied with surviving rather than thriving. It's so easy to drop into complacency and and give up on the big things that God wants to do in you and through you. Psalm 2, verse 8, it says, Ask me now, I will make the nations your inheritance, and the ends of the earth your possession. Wait, what? You want me to ask for the nations and the ends of the earth? What does that even mean? Uh, let me say this. He, he doesn't mean we're going to own it all, but rather that we get to serve them all for his glory, not ours. I believe Jabez understood this. He asks God to increase his territory, to increase his influence, not to serve himself, but to serve others, to become a blessing to others. We understood that it's all God's to begin with. And God is just waiting for us just to to ask him, to invite him into our lives, into our relationships, into our dreams, into our hopes. Our God is a generous God. Now, it may not go exactly the way I thought it would. The journey may look a little different than I imagined. It may take a little longer than I thought it would. It may not be as easy as I hoped. But God is with me every step of the way. So let's not let our past or even our present limit our faith. Don't let it limit your prayers. Let's lean into what he's called us to be, to trust him in both the big and the small things. And then let's watch him do more than he can ever, we could ever imagine. Thanks for listening. Continue the conversation with us on social media. Never miss a message and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes.